The reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30 and beginning at verse 11 and it's the offer of life or death. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us, so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws, then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods, and worship, worship them. I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. First, I want to confess something that I confessed in the first service, that I have been dragged into the computer age kicking and screaming. And my husband's helped me with this. I couldn't do it without him, but I have to press the things. So I'm just trusting that it won't be a distraction, but rather a help. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you that you know every single one of us intimately. You know our hearts. You know our desires. You know our needs. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through your word, that your spirit will touch us just where it's needed and move us on with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the subject today is choose life. And it comes from Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is one of my favourite books of the Bible. I love it. It's a collection of the speeches and the songs of Moses. And it was given just before Moses died and before the Israelites moved into the promised land. And in it... Moses repeats the things that people need to know to walk closely with their God 
and he gives a summary of their time in the wilderness. And this book contains the promise of blessings that come from obedience and warns of curses that follow disobedience. Now, I've often heard people say, and you probably have too, the God of the Old Testament isn't the same as the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is to do with judgment and punishment. The God of the New Testament is grace and mercy. That is not true. God is the same God. A couple of weeks ago, John Farrow gave a wonderful sermon on the loving kindness of God, the God of the Old Testament. He's a God who loves his people and is always there for us. He is the same. And the love relationship between the sovereign God and his special people pervades the whole book of Deuteronomy, which is why I love it. Now we're looking at chapter 30, verses 11 to 20, where Moses gives the people the offer of life or death. And we still have that same offer today. So we'll see what's involved in the choice and then decide what we personally will choose. Now we're looking at this under four sections. God's desire, staying in the place of blessing, opting out and making the choice. So let's look first at God's desire. His desire in the Old Testament and the New, the same now as always, is to have an intimate relationship with his special people. He wants unbroken fellowship, a love relationship, where he is our God and we are his people in a close relationship. He longs to give us life, not just uh, an existence, but abundant life. Life in all its fullness. And Jesus repeats this in John chapter 10. Life so beautiful, so rich, so fruitful, we don't need to look anywhere else for total satisfaction. It's all to be found in our relationship with him. He wants to bless us and meet all our needs, whatever they might be. And he wants to satisfy us with himself. There's a song that we sometimes sing that has this line in it which always touches my heart. Living in his presence, eating at his table, surrounded by his glory. That is his desire for us. Is that your desire for him? It doesn't mean that we'll never have trials or suffering because they're part of life. And even if we're in God's favour, we will still go through these things, the same as everybody else. But the difference is, we go through them in his presence. So whatever happens to us, he is there to give us grace to meet that need, to give us strength to go through it. And he is so amazing, he can even bring good out of bad situations, things that the devil might throw at us, things that other people do to us, God can turn it all on its head and bring good out of it if we're in his presence, living in his favour. 
So God wants us to stay in that place of blessing. But he gives us the choice, life or death, blessing or curse. It seems obvious what anybody would choose. But the Israelites chose to disobey over and over again and forfeited all his blessings. Why? It doesn't make sense. Well, let's see what it means to remain in God's love, staying in that place of favour, and then perhaps we'll realise why we too, like the Israelites, sometimes choose to move out of that wonderful place. So let's look first at what it means to stay in the place of blessing. As Tim said earlier, it's a moment-by-moment choice. It doesn't happen automatically. And no one else can make the choice for us. And the way to remain in his favour is spelled out in verses 16 and 20. And it's the same for us as it was for them. Verse 16 says to love the Lord your God, walk in his ways and keep his commandments. And verse 20, love the Lord your God by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him. So there are three things we need to do to stay in that place of favour. To love him, to walk in his ways and to hold fast to him. So let's look at them one at a time. First, love the Lord your God. And in many places in God's word, it says, love him with your heart, your soul, your strength, with your whole being. We are meant to love God with every fibre of our being. But we can't love someone to order. So how do we love God in that way? Well, the only way it's possible is by responding to his love us. The more we see and understand of his love, the more we love him. We need to ask him to enlarge our hearts so we can receive more and we can love more. I sometimes see it as like a balloon that's filled with air. It may be small like that, but it's full of air. And our hearts are often like that, full of God's love. But we need to enlarge our hearts So we receive more, and so we love more. And this is my constant prayer, enlarge my heart, Lord. In all relationships, love grows through intimacy. And as we choose to spend time alone in his presence, so our hearts will be enlarged, so we'll understand more about his love for us, and we'll respond to that. We need to spend time alone with him. And that's not bondage. I've heard people say, oh, I have to have my quiet time. If you love somebody, and if you know that that person delights in you, it's not a duty to spend time with them. It's a joy. Some time ago, I read a verse from Exodus, chapter 33, verse 21. And God says to Moses, there is a place by me. Come and stand in the cleft of the rock. And I believe it's pointing forward to to Jesus coming. But since I read that verse, 
I had a longing to find that place by him. I want to be there so I can feel his heartbeat, know what his plans are. And I want to be able to share my heart with him in intimacy. There's a verse in one of the Psalms that says, How blessed is the one that God chooses to bring near to himself. But the truth is, he chooses every single one of us. It's up to us to respond. He wants to bring us to that place of intimacy with him. There are some lovely verses in Song of Solomon where it speaks of, of the bridegroom looking for the bride. He's waiting in the secret place. He says, I long to see you. I long to hear your voice. That's how God feels about us. Doesn't that make your heart respond and want to be in that secret place? To receive that love, to experience it? It's not enough just to read our Bibles and then run off all our prayer requests and think we've actually spent time with him. I used to do that. And God showed me that I wasn't actually experiencing him at all. I was just going through a routine. If we want to know how much he loves us, we must give him our undivided attention. Tell him how much we love him. Tell him how thankful we are. And bask in his love for us. That takes time. And I know there are some people here who perhaps have children, have busy lives, have full-time jobs. And I've heard people say, I'm too busy. Well, I want to just share that years ago, when David went to theological college, our fourth child was born just after he went. And so I had four children under eight, the youngest one being a baby. And I, I used to gauge roughly what time they woke up. And every morning I set my alarm and I, woke to, I got up earlier. And I went downstairs and I laid my Bible and a notebook and pen on the settee and I knelt there and I spent time with God. And bit by bit, you know, the children would wake up and come down and be playing around me. But that was my priority. That was the foundation for my life. That was the most important thing to me. And if we say we're too busy, then what we're saying is God isn't our top priority. If we really want that time with him, we can find it. He will help us to find it. But our love for him can't grow unless we spend that time alone with him. The second thing he tells us to stay in that place of favour is to walk in his ways, obey his voice. Now he doesn't say, do as I tell you. He says, walk with me. What a difference. We think of obedience as something awful, but walking with him, that's wonderful. And Jesus speaks about being yoked together with him. And it's rather like a scrawny, weak ox being yoked together with a strong, powerful one. And where he goes, we go. And walking with him becomes a delight and a joy. The key to obedience is living in a love relationship, truly wanting him to take the lead and to have his way with us.
The third thing we're told to do is to hold fast to him. Now very often we say, it's not up to us to hold on to God. He holds on to us. And there's a truth in that. But I believe there has to be a determination in our hearts that we will stay with him. We will stay close to him. We won't let anything come in between. He's going to be everything to us. And as we determine that in our hearts, so he responds by holding us with his powerful hand so that nothing takes us away. So that's how we remain in a place of blessing loving him with our whole being, walking in his ways, and holding fast to him. So what might cause us to opt out, and how can that be prevented? Well, I believe there are, well, I've got five things down, there are probably many more than that, but the ones I've got down are willful disobedience, idolatry, besetting sins, lack of trust, and just drifting. And I want to go through each one just very briefly. And I just pray that as I go through them, if any of them apply to you, that you'll be open to the Spirit, just nudging you to do something and to move on. So first of all, willful disobedience. I've heard even Christians say, it's my life, nobody's telling me what to do. I'm nobody's slave. Happy to call God Father and Jesus friend. Oh, no, no obedience. And years ago, in my ignorance, there were certain things I wouldn't pray over in case God said no. I have learned since that to disobey God is totally stupid. I have many verses at the back of my Bible. Whatever Bible I have, I, I continue to write them down over and over again that show that to disobey God goes against ourselves. In Hosea, he says, you're against me, your helper. And in Proverbs, he who sins against me injures himself. In Jonah, those who worship false gods forsake their hope of steadfast love. Or another version says, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. We're told that the nearness of God is our good. It's for our own sake we need to walk with him. Disobedience injures ourselves. The next one's idolatry. Now, we don't worship gods, other gods, the way that perhaps the Israelites did. But we can still be guilty of idolatry. Sometimes we put family in the place of God, or friends or interests, all sorts of things that come and take over our time and our energy and our interests. And he's pushed to one side. It could even be a relationship that's good in itself, but somehow it weakens our love for God. And so it has to go. The cure of idolatry is to surrender our lives totally to God. Let him be the Lord of our lives. There's a line of a song that says, Reign in me, Sovereign Lord, reign in me. Have we all come to that point in our lives where we've said that? I was a Christian for years before I let God take control. I enjoyed Jesus as my saviour, but I ran my own life. 
And it was only when I asked him to take control that I became truly free. Everything changed. I can still remember giving him control of my life one day and I woke up the next morning, read my Bible. This had come alive. It was never quite so lively before. Jesus was more real. And everybody else was nicer. People had changed. They were so lovely. And I loved them all. I didn't realize, of course, it was me that had changed. It was a real step into reality. And at that time, I used to listen to the morning service on, I think it was Radio 4, home service, whatever it was called in those days. It was going back years. And it was quite a boring service, but I felt it was my duty to listen to it each morning. And the day after I'd given complete control to God and been filled with His Spirit, I put on the radio and I thought, my, haven't they lightened that service? What a difference! And the whole service seemed different because it touched my heart. It got right through. Everything changed. And if you haven't given control of your life to Jesus, then do it because it's the way into everything that makes life worthwhile. He needs to be the Lord of our lives. And the next one I called besetting sins. Now I'm not sure if it's still called that. When I was growing up in my teens, it was quite a well-known expression. I don't know about now, but what it means is the particular things that trip us up over and over again, and they're different for each one of us. And I'm sure all of us have experienced wanting to walk with God, and then that thing trips us up again. And we think, oh no, not again. And over and over again we ask for forgiveness, and then we fall again. And I, I believe and I've proved that that can be broken. But what we need to do is to state our desire to be free of whatever it is and then put all our energies into going God's way. And gradually, God gets rid of the thing that kept tripping us up and we become free and we can enjoy his blessing again. The next one is lack of trust when trials come. So often we're all right when everything's going well. And then things seem to go wrong. And the devil says, does God really care? Does he love you? If he loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this. And we look at circumstances and they prove it. It's true, God can't love us. And I believe the cure for this is before the trials come, to feed on God's word, meditate on it, get it deep into our hearts and minds, so that when the trial comes, we know God is faithful. We know it. And it's been said that if a million men say one thing, and God says something else, the million must be wrong. What God says in his word is true, no matter how things appear. So let's decide to trust him no matter what and stay in that place of favour. And the last one I put is drifting. And this is the most common. When perhaps we neglect our time with him, other things come in and we don't even realise it's happening. Especially if we spend a lot of time with non-Christians or lukewarm Christians. Sometimes we don't realise that we've perhaps lost that fire, that closeness to God. And this is the thing I fear most, to drift 
away from him. My constant prayer over many years has been, don't let me be a mediocre Christian. Don't let me wander away. Keep me close to you. Keep the fire burning in my heart. And the way to help us to do that and not to drift is to spend time with those whose hearts are on fire for him. There are people in this church that stir me up towards him just by being with them because of their love for him and because they've gone further with him than I have. And that inspires me to go on. So spend time with people who really love him and know him. Read books by those who've gone further than you have. And that again will stir up that desire and determine to keep the fire burning in your heart. So we come to making the choice. There are two paths before us. Blessing or curse. Life or death. Enjoying God's favour moment by moment or going our own way. It's a definite choice we have to make. It won't just happen. It begins with the decision to accept the offer of life given in Jesus. And I hope everybody here has accepted that offer and come to know Jesus as Saviour. But that relationship needs to be maintained by loving God, holding fast to him, and walking with him in obedience day by day. And remember that obedience is the language of love. And it makes sense. It's for our own good. And it leads to everything that God has planned for us to make life richer and more meaningful. So which will you choose? Your own way and the loss of everything worthwhile in life? Or total surrender and the joy of living in God's presence? I want to read one part of the song that's very, very well known. And it's so true in each one of our lives. We never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favour he shows and the joy he bestows are for those who will trust and obey. Surrendering to God makes sense. It's the gateway to life. Choose life.